It's all about being intentional. And a, a plug is not going to find its way into an outlet on its own. It's it got to be intentional. It's got to be, you know, someone has got to make the move to plug in the, 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 the plug into an outlet. And uh, so that's what I'm talking about. Spiritual growth will not happen by accident. You're not going to fall into spiritual growth. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Um, I, I think it was 2004, 2003, um, my wife and I, we were newlyweds, and um, we had organized a mission trip to Panama, down in Central America. And, um, and we had a good group of, of people that we were taking with us to go down there and minister to the missionary, do some incredible stuff, mission work and down in Panama. And uh, we went to the missionary's house, and the missionary house had one of the coolest things ever. He had a pet monkey. And, uh, and this little monkey just jumping around. He was so excited. He had his long tail. just hopping from furniture to furniture, shoulder to shoulder. He'd get on your arm. And, and he was the friendliest monkey you could find. And I said, man, this is so cool. I, I, I was beginning to think about what it was. What would it take to bring home a monkey from the mission trip and, and, uh, and uh, check into the laws, and they weren't going to allow that. But, um, you know, it was just a really cool thing, this monkey. And, and so this monkey came around. I can't remember if it was a him or a her, but this monkey came around and, and uh, he jumped on my shoulder because I had a piece of fruit, you know. And, of course, it's naturally in the animal. You've got food in your hand. They're going to come to you. And so I'm supposed to feed the monkey. And I gave the fruit, and the monkey took it out of my hand. He put the little, bit, little bitty monkey hands. It was really cute, you know. <laughs> and, and he's about to eat it. And I reach out, and I grab that fruit. And you thought WWF was about to break out. <laughs> that monkey, with the big old monkey eyes, just look at me, and he said, how dare you? You know, that's not what it said, but I can read it in his eyes. How dare you take my fruit? You know, and I'm just joking around. I thought, you know, this would be fun, and you know, and, and so I give it back to the monkey, and and uh, you know, and time a little bit more protective. About to pop it in his mouth again, I snatched it away, and this time the monkey was mad, and we got into a fight. And I'm not gonna tell you who won. Quite embarrassing, but I, I would say this: there was there was blood. You know, I had to ask the question, do I need to get a monkey rabies shot for this thing? I mean, what happened? I don't know, you're fine, just don't, you know, you, you know. So anytime we went back into that missionary's house, that monkey, he knew who I was. And he growled, he growled at me. So needless to say, I'm never welcome back in that guy's house. We were fighting because I wasn't being very generous with his food. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what it means to get plugged in into generosity. And what I want to do today is I want to give you a simple plan for your personal finances. And when we get this, we see this in God's Word. Now, to get started, before we get into that, I want to talk about five categories. Essentially, there are five categories that you can do, you know, things that you can do with your money. And, and we could probably break it down to big categories and subcategories, but essentially there are five things that we can do with our money, and, and I've got them listed here on the screen. You can, number one, you can, 
you can spend it. And I think a lot of us are pretty good at that. We can spend it. Number two, you can repay debt. You know, depending on how you spent or misspent your money. Uh, number three, you pay your taxes. Hopefully you're doing that, okay? If you're not, you might be in trouble. Uh, number four, you can save your money. And number five, you can give your money. And so you see the five things that we, can, that we do with money, five basic things that we do. And at the same time, as Americans, we see this as our priorities. And for most Americans that we see, um, this is the order, priority. Priority number one, we spend. That's our first priority. Our second priority is we pay off debt. We pay the things that we didn't afford in the first place. So we, we pay debt. Number three, priority number three, yeah, you gotta pay your taxes. Uh, priority number four, if I can, maybe I'll save some. And then priority number five, whatever is left over, maybe I just give it to some, uh, somebody in the community, a nonprofit or a church, you know, but whatever that might be. And so those are our five priorities. Those are the things, five things that we do with our money and in the order that a lot of people do with it. That's our priority. Now, I want to one more time, look at this list. I want to go through this list one more time. I want to put a little different spin on it. All right? You see, number one, me. Number two, me. Number three, America, we, okay? Number four, me. Or number five, God and others. Now let me go over that one more time because I, that's kind of complicated, okay? All right. Number one, me, me, America, we, me, number five, God and others. And others. That, and that's our priorities. Now, the problem is that from a Christian perspective, this put God last. Which means that God, he gets the leftovers. You know, if I haven't spent it all, if, the, if, if I don't owe it all, if the government doesn't take it all, <laughs> and if I don't save it for myself later, later, if there's any leftover, God, hey, listen, if there's anything left over, you can have it. And in spite of the fact that most of us and many people prioritize our money in this way, that it doesn't keep us without any hesitation, without any hesitation, doesn't keep us from going to God with our problem. I said, God, will you help me? God, will you get involved in my finances? God, will you help me pay my debt? God, will you pay my bills? God, I need to get into school. I need a scholarship. God, will you help me take care of me, me, we, me. God, I need, I need you. I need your help. So please get involved in my finances. Please, please. And God, hey, listen, whatever I have left, I, I'll, I'll give it to you. See how they how that could be insulting? Maybe a little bit to God. They say, God, hey, I need you. And whatever, whatever I have left, I give back to you. Help me, bless me, take care of me. 
I want you to be involved, but just know, God, that when you come in, you're number five. You're number five. And my, my prayers here today is that we will rethink generosity. Rethink generosity. God is calling you and I to a different life, and it's a life that's going to go against what's natural. It's going to go against the grain of what the world likes to teach. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, he was challenging the church at Corinth. And he said, he said in verse number 7, since you excel in everything. And let me stop here for a minute. It says here that there are a lot of areas that you're already doing well. And I would say that about Lake Point Church. There's a lot of things that Lake Point that you are doing really well. So the Apostle Paul said, but just as you would excel in everything, in faith, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, he said, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In other words, Paul says, I want you to go here. I want you to go to this place where you excel in the grace of giving. I need you to be called to a place where the Bible calls extreme generosity, to do something that's, a, that's above the norm, to go against the, the, the grain of what our world and our society teach us. And to unpack this story or the idea today, I want to read a story that's very familiar. We're going to see three attitudes, three mindsets, three different types of people that Jesus exposed the different mindset when it comes to generosity in our world. We know this story. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. Luke, Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 30. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away and they left him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A Levite, verse 32, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, which is interesting, and we've talked about the, the relationship between Samaritan and the Jewish person. They absolutely hated each other. Nothing to do with each other. Jewish, a Jewish person would, 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 would call a Samaritan literally a dog. They would say that you're worse than my pet dog. You know, and, and so they, they had ugly things to say about each other, and yet in this story that Jesus tells, he said a Samaritan had compassion on a man, a Jewish man, that was half dead. The Bible said in verse 34 that he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, 
and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Now listen, see what Jesus did here. He has a very uh, interesting way of touching the heart. Look at verse number 36. Touching the heart, touching the attitude. He asked this man who he's talking to, he's talking to a religious scholar, an expert of the law. He says, he asked him, so which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the religious scholar, he said, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus said, then you should go and do likewise. Jesus said, I want you to go and do the same. You weren't doing it before, but now you are to do it. You are called to this attitude of gratitude. And so three groups, three mindsets, three attitudes from this story, and uh, we see it existing in our world even today. Number one, if you're taking notes, if the attitude is what yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. What yours is, is mine, uh, and I'm going to take it. And that one word, the one word that characterizes this, it's the word greed. Greed. Greed is the attitude that says, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want more. There's a certain madman on the other side of the world that has this attitude. You know, he sees what he wants. He said, what's yours is mine, and I'm planning on taking it. It's this attitude of discontentment. It's an attitude that just says, look, I will do whatever it takes to, to get on top and to get more. Even if I want some of the things that you got, I want it. It's a natural attitude that is in direct opposition that the Lord wants us to have. And in Luke chapter 10, it's expressed through the robbers. The robbers, they came along, they saw a guy with some stuff, and they said, what you have, I want. Now I know some of you are thinking, man, Scott, I'm not a, th I'm not a robber, I'm not a thief. And I would never take something from someone. But the truth is, is that a lot of us, we can have this attitude simply when there's discontent in our lives. When we start to covet, when we start to envy, when we, want to, when we see something that someone else has and we want it, we want it as well. When we try to catch up with the Joneses and say, hey, they've got the nice house, therefore I must have the nice house. They've got the nice car. Hey, what, we need to have the nice car. We, we, we start to live this life of greed. Jesus, he warns us in Luke chapter 12. He, he, he said this in verse 15. Watch out. Be on your guard. Now, now listen, why would Jesus say that unless there was a tendency for us to do something, for us to go to? He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
what Jesus is saying here, he said, don't be known by your stuff. Listen, we all have possession. Nothing wrong with possession, but what the Bible teaching is, is that it's wrong when our possessions possess you. When you allow the possession and the, and the need for more and more and more to catch up with others, envy and coveting, greed. And see, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you cannot take your stuff with you. You cannot. You know, I've never seen a hearse pull a U-Haul to the cemetery. If I did, that would be a, a picture worth taking, okay? It, it, it can't happen. You know, you can't take it with you. You cannot make a transfer from your earthly bank account to your eternal bank account. You can't make a transfer. What happens here is what you get. You can't take it with you. And so the first attitude, greed, what yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And we got to watch out. We got to be on guard for that attitude, that mindset. Here's the, the second group. And we're seeing a story in the second group of two religious people. You know, I would call it in our terminology, the pastor, you know, and the board, okay? The pastor and the leadership team. Uh, these are the religious people. And I want you to notice that these are people who, who already love God. They're pretty good people, right? They're pretty good people. They're religious, and they, and they, but they had an attitude, a different attitude. In fact, an attitude that almost sounds normal. And the second attitude is this. What's mine is mine, and, and I'm going to keep it. What mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. In other words, look, I work for this. I work hard for this. And so I bought this stuff. This is my stuff. I'm going to keep it. What's mine is mine, and yes, I'm going to keep it. However, we're seeing a story that this attitude, if we're not careful, is characterized by the word selfishness. Selfishness. It doesn't say, I'm going to take what you have, but it does say that I'm just going to keep what I've worked so hard for because it's my stuff. And again, the Bible challenges this attitude. The Lord said, hey, listen, what's mine is mine. That attitude, that mindset, it's not really true. You see, your whole life, it's about me. It's about me giving you some things so that you can use it to, to leverage it for me and for my glory, to bless others. And we are to leverage what God has given us, to be doers of the things that God provides for us so that we can do more for others, so that we can leverage the kingdom for greater impact. I mean, that's why the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so we're to have this attitude, you know, we should not have this attitude of, number one, the attitude of greed, we shouldn't have the attitude of selfishness. 
That's what Jesus is teaching here. You know, he's teaching that. But it's, but it's that third attitude that we see in the story that God is calling us to. It's an attitude. And again, I submit to you, it's not a natural attitude. It's not natural. But we see it is characterized by the good Samaritan. And here's the third thought. Here's the third attitude. But mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. It's characterized by the word generosity. Now, yeah, in our mind, this seems like, listen, if I were to do this, God, if I were to live by this mantra, by this mindset, then over time, I'm going to be a little less of a person. I'm going to live a life that's totally dissatisfied because I'm constantly giving stuff away. But the Bible says the direct opposite happens. And, and, and listen, you're going to have to test it to see that this is true. I can't explain it but no, in no other way, but you have to test it yourself to see that when you give it away, when you live a life that's marked with generosity, you don't find yourself finding dissatisfaction. In fact, you start to possess one of the greatest gifts that you can have, and that is the gift of what well, is more blessed to give than to receive. You find yourself that you find yourself more fired up in a way of giving. You're constantly, all of a sudden, you start constantly looking for opportunities. Because you just can't help yourself. You just can't help yourself not to give. You just have to do it. And to me, there's really nothing more enjoyable than the ability to give something to someone else. And that's why the Bible gives us these verses. Psalm 112, verse 5. It says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. The one who just lets it go and realizes their life isn't about keeping. It's about giving. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others, notice what happens. When you refresh others, you don't go empty. You don't get depleted. The Bible says that you will be refreshed. You'll be refreshed. Jesus himself, he said in Acts chapter 20, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Generosity. The Apostle Paul said, I want you to be known for your generosity. You are to excel in the grace of giving. You're to go against what the culture is teach. You know, keep, 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 keep. You're supposed to be the opposite, looking for ways to give. Now, there are three types of givers. I'm going to challenge you in different ways here. Three types of givers when we think about generosity. The first one is spontaneous. The spontaneous giver. And many of you are, are very spontaneous. And listen, this is an awesome way to do it. Awesome way to give. We, we see this example with the Samaritan. He didn't plan to take care of somebody. He didn't know that was going to happen. But he saw the need in the moment. He said, I've got a generous eye. I've got a generous eye. I see a need. And I can meet that need. 
And, and he did. And, 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 this, and a lot of people, this is the way they like to give. They love to give spontaneous, and it's awesome, right? Man, you see something, you say, man, I've, I've got some, I, got, I can do something. I can write a check. I can help you. God has blessed me with some extras the past month or the past week. You know, and I want to pay it forward. And I want to bless, bless others. You know, last month we, we had a, um, you know, an, a collection table for, um, uh, like a baby shower for a, a local pregnancy center to help families, you know, make the right decision for their family, you know, and, and, and to choose life and, and, and to help them in, in their struggles. And, and, uh, and so many of you, you know, showed up at church with bags of stuff. You came during the week, you know, and dropped stuff off, you know, and uh, it's just generous that way. I, I love every year when we do the Thanksgiving food drive. You know, we've been doing it for eight, nine years, and we collect, you know, we hand out Thanksgiving meals. We go down, and we, we collect the goods. We collect the food. And it started off with, like, hey, let, 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 as a church, you know, eight years ago, let's, let's just try to feed 150 people. I don't think it was that much. I think it was, like, 100 people, you know? And, uh, and then the, the past year, we, we, we showed up spontaneously. So many just showed up and brought stuff, and we fed over 800 families a Thanksgiving dinner. And, uh, and, and this year, I think, you know, I think we have a goal of 1,200, you know, and, and I love that. You know, we're always trying to push ourselves and looking for ways to give. We're getting other churches involved. It's not just a late point thing, but it's like, a, hey, let's the Capitol Seed Church in Macomb, Macomb County. Let's get together and be a blessing and help others. And so we got other churches involved. You know, one year we, we were like, uh, we, we were aiming to get 300 turkeys. And we were short by 100. You know, and, and, and I love this. You know, we have people after church. We were just put the, the last Sunday for collection. We need a turkey. And people come out and say, hey, how many more turkeys we need? You know, and, and I love it. We had this one family over here. You know, they got a family of, there's a, how many of them? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, seven, okay, whatever. All right, and they got little kids. And there's a limit at Myers, you know. And, and so they, they gave every kid the money. It's okay, you got two turkeys, you got two turkeys, you got two turkeys. You know, it was all spontaneous, you know, and they all went to Myers and they all came back right after church, you know, we're still loading turkeys up and, they're, they're, you know, they all got their turkeys. And the others, you know, coming back and say, hey, how many more turkeys? And I love the spontaneity of that. Spontaneous giving. You know, and, and this is the kind of thing where, man, the Holy Spirit leads you to that. It's where you listen to the Spirit of God and say, hey, there's an opportunity, Scott. Here's an opportunity, Scott. Step up. You can do it. You can do it. Be open-handed. Be open-handed. And look for those opportunities. Look for those opportunities. Here's the second type of giver. It's the strategic giver. Strategic giver. Now, this is a step up from the spontaneous giver. By the way, let me say this. If you're only giving spontaneously, I'm going to challenge you to take a step up. I'm going to challenge you to be a little bit more intentional strategically. This is the person who says, you know what? We're going to plan to be generous. Isaiah 32, verse 8. The Bible says, but the noble make noble plans. By the way, the word noble in the, in the original language is a person, it's a generous person. 
is a person who's generous, a wealthy person who's generous. It's about the generous person that the noble make generous plans. And by noble deeds, they stand. Another translation said this, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. They plan for it. They're sitting around, they're going, how, how, can we get, how can we be more generous? How can we maximize the blessings that we have to be a blessing to others? Just as you strategize, and many of you strategize on how to get, on the flip side of the coin, strategize how you can give. Strategize how you can give. Personally, I believe, my wife and I, we believe in tithing. We believe tithing, where we make a conscious choice, a strategic decision to return God 10% of what he trusts to me. I return the tithe unto God, his church. And that's the decision we have made. We live by that. that and I would say this, that's minimal. You know, we, we plan to do more, we, can, we do more. But at a, at a minimum, we plan to give strategically 10%. The Bible teaches about when we give to God strategically and faithfully, that he will return the blessing. Uh, if you're taking notes, and you, I've, I've said it before, but if you give God your first and your best, I believe that he will bless the rest. And strategically, I am honored to arrange my life around God. I'm putting God first. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. It's not easy sometimes. It's hard. But we give it first. We prioritize by making God number one in the way that we give. And I would recommend, and I really pray that many of you would do this, is that you will become in your strategic giving, that you would become what I call a percentage giver. Some of you say, man, that 10%, that, that's, I don't know that we can do that. I understand. I know times are tough and, and maybe you've got things already, you know, but you say, Scott, I need to reprioritize. It can take me time, but I could start somewhere. Let's start at 5%. And we're going to work our way there. We're going to get out of some debt that we, don't, that we have. And, and, and student, because I believe this that if you give God your first and your best, you will bless the rest. Don't give God your leftovers. Be a percentage giver. Budget what you give. Budget, be the teacher. Here's number three, here's the last type of giver. And it may not be, I believe every one of us in some shape or form can be this type of giver. It's a sacrificial giver. By the way, being a sacrificial giver has nothing to do with the amount. It's all about the attitudes. It's all about the attitude. Sacrificial givers, they're the fanatics. They're the one that recognize that what we have in this world is not simply for us, but it's all for God. In First Chronicles chapter 21, King David, you know, is on his way to make a sacrifice to God. And, 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 and one of the uh, house or one of the property passing by, and they said, hey, King David, I hear you're on your way to make a sacrifice. Listen, you can have any of my bowls. Awesome. You can have any of it. Take as much as you want. I want to honor you, King David, with the sacrifice. And David responded to that person and said, no, 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 no. 
I don't want that. He said, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to pay for it. I'm not going to sacrifice something that didn't cost me anything. I'm going to pay for it. In other words, David said, I want to feel it. You know when you sacrifice, that's when you feel it. When you really take a step of faith, let's say faith given right here. I mean, all of it's faith given. When you're strategic given, it's faith given. But when you sacrifice, faith given. Faith given. I, um, I told this story in the first service, and to be honest with you, the story um, was rather hard for me to tell. I told my wife, I said, I've never shared a story. I've never shared a story because I never wanted to, you know, never wanted to come across to seem like I was self-serving or self, you know, hey, I had a boy on my back. That story happened um, over 20 years ago. I was a young kid out of Bible college working at my first church. I didn't make much. Unfortunately, in 1999, my uncle, who was only six years older than me, um, had passed away all of a sudden. And, um, and it was a tough time for the family. And six months later, um, you know, some time passed. Uh, my grandparents, you know, gave all the grandkids, there were six of us, gave us each $4,000 each. And when I found out what it was, I was like, what's it coming from, Grandma and Grandpa? And so, well, this is, you know, leftover in, in some inheritance from your uncle. We you want you to have there. And uh, first of all, it was one of those things that you just didn't want to have, right? You were like, no, I'd rather have my uncle than $4,000. But they was like, no, Scott, you do this money, do whatever you want with it. And so I began to pray about it. And I began to ask God, to God, that's a four thousand dollars. But what would, my, what would my uncle like me to do with this money? And I was a young preacher boy in the ministry. You know, one of my dreams had been wanting to go to Israel, to go to the Holy Land, and to walk the streets of Jesus and to see the different things. And I actually started asking questions and about getting some information. And the cost of it was going to be almost $4,000. And, uh, and I thought, okay, this, this is what I'll do. And uh, shortly later, um, before that trip, you know, and I didn't put any money down yet. You know, we're doing the, the work, the conversation, but we had a mission conference at the church. And, uh, and there was a family called the Bowers family. Jim and Ronnie, and they had a little boy. And I was friends with their parents, with her parents, actually. They go to the church that I was at. And, um, and we had talked to them, you know, about going on a mission trip down the future in the Amazon River in South America. They were missionaries in Peru. And, and so we, we went out to dinner, you know, I went out to dinner with them, and, um, and this was before we got married. This was before Karen and I started dating. I was just a single guy. I go to dinner with them and start to hear about 
a certain need. The Ronnie Bauer, the wife, they were trying to raise money to adopt a little girl. And they weren't sure they were going to make the deadline, but all they needed was $4,000. So I, to the next day on the mission conference, I came in, I had a check for $4,000. I felt it when I gave it to them. I, let me just say, I haven't been to the Holy Land yet. I could have. They were able to adopt a little baby girl named Charity. It's another part of the story which makes it more of a challenge and tough for me to talk about. But they were back in Peru. They had a little pilot, a little uh, boat, uh, not a boat, but airplane that lands and takes off on the river. And this was back in 2001, the summer of 2001, when the United States was really cracking down on drug trafficking. The family, the Bowers family, got on that plane. They had to take a little trip to Brazil to renew some visas. They had to go to Brazil to do this. They were crossing international lines, the state, well, not international, but the you know, country line, international line from Peru into Brazil. They were mistaken to be a drug plane. And it was shot down. And that little girl and the mom, one bullet on that plane, died. They landed the plane in the river. The, the pilot, whose legs were all shot up, thankfully, was able to land the plane. Jim and, her, Jim and his son were able to get out of the plane saved the pilot, as well as the bodies of his wife and little girl. And I think about the family, and I think, wow. But I have no regrets that I was able to help this family in their time of needs, in a time of sacrifice, you see, most people want to give what's left over. They want to give what's left over. They don't want to feel it. But sacrificial givers, they feel it. They have this idea, like, listen, it came from God in the first place. It all belongs to him anyway. In Mark chapter 12, it's a beautiful story. And I love, I love this story. Because I think this can relate to all of us. The Bible said that Jesus, he was in church. He sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being collected. Watched the crowd put their money into the, into the offering bucket. Bible said that many rich people were thrown in their large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small coins, copper coins, and worth only a few cents. Jesus called the disciples to him and he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. See, everybody else, they gave out of their wealth. 
but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all that she had to live on, a sacrificial giving. See, a lot of times people say, well, we really don't have much to give. No, 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 no. No, you always have got something to give. It's giving not only about amount. It's not about an amount. It's about an attitude. And that's what sometimes when you have less, when you have less, it's when you can make the biggest sacrifice. I have people that say to me all the time, says, Scott, listen, when I, when I make more, I'll give more. Listen, if you don't give when you give out of the little that you have now, you won't give when you have more later. You gotta be generous. The characteristic of a generous, a generous person, the characteristic of generosity should be at the heart of the Christian life. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. Because of the one who gave up his life to die on a cross for you and for me. We are indeed blessed because of salvation, so rich and so free. We say in that song, what he's done, what he's done. He's done it for you. He gave it all. The attitude of a generous person, what mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. I hope that you will give spontaneously. You see a need, meet that need. I hope you don't stop there. Give strategically. Make it a prayerful part of your planning. Strategize on how you give. But then some of you, there may be opportunities where you say, you know what? I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel it. There's an opportunity. It might, be, it might be something you do monthly. It might be once a year. It might, I don't know what that looks like. You say, I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to give sacrificially. Sacrificially. You know, for some of you, you're able to do more. In a time of, you know, I didn't plan this sermon in light of everything that was going on two months ago. You know, since, you know God, God's, in the, God's in the planning. You know, inflation's gone really up and, and gas price going up. And I know, it's, it's tough. And some of us were just like, man, it's tough to trust God. For Paul, this is, it wasn't easy in Paul's time. But he said, we can excel in the grace of giving. So the takeaways, here's a couple takeaways, and we're done. <coughs> Number one, you got to flip the script. Remember the script, the priority, the five things? You got to flip it. I should kind of summarize it real quick. You got to give, you got to save. Number three, spend it. That's the order. Make God number one. Make him, give him your first and your best, and you will bless the rest. All right, we, Karen and I, we live by the 10, 10, 80 principle, where we give 10, save 10, live off the 80. That's how we live. That's to be, be strategic. And then, number two, here's the second takeaway. And this might be a sacrificial opportunity for some of you. To start praying about how you can be involved in the Greater Things offering on Sunday, May 15th. It's a couple months away. I'll put it on your radar so you can start praying. And now the Greater Things offering is something we do every year. Got the blue bucket. We, you know, we got some out in the lobby. Grab one. Put it on your uh, countertop, your dresser, somewhere visible in your house. You drop in the loose change. 
the dollar bills, the $10 bills, the $100 bills. I don't know, whatever you do, you just drop it in there. And then once a year, we bring it all together, we bring the bucket, a lot of us put a big giant check on top of it and say, you know what? God has blessed us in certain ways the past quarter, the past year, you know? And I'm going to feel it, but I'm going to give it. And here's what we do. Not, not a penny goes to the church. Not a penny goes to Lake Point. It all goes to greater things in our city. We help out great organizations called Love for a Child, which is a foster ministry for foster kids, you know, and they have camp once a year, the best week of the whole year. And some of our, some of us uh, members here are involved with love for a child, you know, being camp counselors, just loving on these kids who come from tough situations. And so we give, we're going to give a good portion of our check of this, of this offering to help love for a child for kids to go to camp. They be loved by people, but ultimately experience the love of God. The, the, the word encounter church. And um, it's a new church plant that we're getting behind in the east side of Detroit, Pastor Stephen Perry. And uh, we're partnering with him. And they've got a building. They, they took an old, old church building that was kind of falling apart. They flip it. They're ready to have their very first service in April. The church at Clawson, that's another one of our church partners that we've been supporting for the last four years. Down, down in Clawson, you know, in case you didn't know that, you know. And, and in case you haven't been to Clawson recently, Clawson, I mean, I, you know, grew up not too far from Clawson. It was kind of, you know, just a regular little downtown. They really flip it. They flip downtown in a nice, beautiful way. Bob had bought a church building five, six years ago, an old BFW building. And, um, and so while downtown is, is being flipped, he's not been able to flip it. And the city is like, listen, you've got to update the outside facade or we're going to have to close the church down. He's got to raise $100,000. So he's doing a capital campaign, like what he did about four years ago to get a church building like this. And so he's doing a capital campaign to raise $100,000. He, he said, hey, Pastor Scott, he met with me about that about a month ago. He said, listen, we... Um, you know, you support us $500 a month. And this is our last year. We, we, we help a trip for five years, and then we kind of, you know, they get established. So listen, can you, I know that's a big ask, but can you just give us the next 10 months in March and present the check at a banquet and help our people get excited and motivate them to, to take it, you know, be sacrificial giving? I says, yeah, we can do that. And so he leaves the office, and God says, God, man, Double it. He doesn't know that, but we're going to bless that church. We're going to write him a check for ten thousand dollars. That's going to be in the end of March. This offering's in May. I'm just going to kind of step out in faith, knowing that God can take care of the rest. And so we're going to help them so that they can, by the end of the year, get their building up to code, and still continue to do a great work in downtown Clawson. Peacemakers, great organization downtown that ministering to homeless the people that are, that are, you know, that need things, a tough situation. Every year, in the last three years, we've been going down there in the summertime on a mission trip to Detroit, and, uh, and it's a great organization that works all, around, all year round. We're going to be a blessing to peacemakers. And then Barnabas Ministries. This is started by Doug Smith, pastor retired from Woodside Church. And in his retirement, he wants to bless pastors in Detroit. 
He wants to help pastors, so many pastors that are beaten up. Right now, there's, an, there's, a, there's a real epidemic in, our, in, our, in pastors. More pastors are leaving the ministry than ever before. They're burning out. Churches are closing their doors left and right because of what we've been through the last two or three years. And so Pastor Doug comes at a, at a time of great need, ministering to hundreds of pastors in Detroit area. And what we do, what we give to him and his ministry, the bond of his ministry, will continue to be a blessing to pastors. And so these are ways for our church to be a part of something. Last year, we raised $25,000. I believe in this climate that we're in, God still can, and he will. But I'll start with the heart, with, the mad, with an attitude of God, but mine is yours. And I'm going to give it. I pray that you'll plug in into generosity. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the opportunity to give because you gave to us your only son so that we can have salvation so rich and so free. And so God, I pray that we will start somewhere spontaneously, strategically, and when you ask for us, that we will give, that we will give sacrificially so that we can leverage the kingdom, your kingdom, for you. In Jesus' name, amen.